Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Good day once again, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Gunna One, the podcast. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. We've just gone through an NFL season like no other, a season many of us wondered if we would get through it. But lo and behold, we did from start to finish on time to help us go back through the waters of what had to take place and to look ahead. Uh, I bring on a guy I've known since 1997. Uh, when he was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, he is now the executive vice president of football operations for the National Football League and a friend of mine I, I think of dearly, Troy Vincent. Troy, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. The season's over. Had a was somewhat considered a good Super Bowl. Uh, Coach Arians in the group got it done. But Derek, I would tell you, back in March, I didn't know what I didn't know where we were headed. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else. Could we have an offseason? Could we have a draft? Was there going to be a preseason? How do we bring it all together to make it work? Mm. And I would just say that was – I would show the power of teamwork. Never lost my faith, mm-hmm. but seeing the power of teamwork, it only happened because people worked together, beginning mm. with Commissioner DeMarie Smith, the players, the staff here. But just following the science and the medical that, that what the medical experts were sharing with us on what we should and shouldn't do, yep. applying that every day with I can't give the players and the coaches enough credit. They did it, we did it, it wasn't easy, but we got through it. It was three things that I I would say I would contribute to. Once we found out 
how to identify the virus, then how to isolate, then contain if there was a spread, then we were able to now schedule a game. So that was the three. It was the identification, the isolation, containment. Now, Troy, schedule a game. Mm. And it worked. Mm. It worked. All right, let, let's go back to the beginning. Um, you give the players and field officials the option to opt out. 66 players, five field officials decide they wanted to opt out of the 2020 season. Was there genuine concern in your part that the numbers would have increased even more so than that? Didn't know. Did you just, you didn't know because COVID, based off of what, what news outlet you were reading, what publication you were reading, there was just this unknown, self-included. You didn't know where the truth was. So everyone had a different opinion about the, the, the current pandemic and how they were going. That was an individual decision. I'm not surprised around the numbers of officials and players because there was such an unknown out in the universe. We have a better handling of it. We saw as the season went through, but uh, not surprised. I wasn't surprised. Okay, so you cancel all preseason games, all international games. You you kick off the season uh, on time. Players have to get tested daily. You, like you just said, you don't know what's going to happen. How many contingency plans did you guys have in place <laughs> to, 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 to offset what possibly could happen down the road? Oh, they never ended. Like, literally. <laughs> it, but this going into the season, because everyone had their hand up, I want to play. Yeah. That's the coach. That's the player. Okay. If we want to do this, it first start with both local, state, and federal guidelines. Okay. Everybody still has their hands up. Coaches, players, league office, self-included. Yes, we want to play. We have to play. It's important. Okay, we got to remain flexible. When we start talking about integrity of the game, we start talking about competitive fairness. Okay, we're going into a world where it may not be fair. Well, what does that mean? Okay, let's just be up front so we can set the right expectations. Potentially, your game may be postponed. Your game may be moved. Your game could not be played. We may have a season where it was only eight games planned. Mm. How do you determine the playoff field? How do you determine seeding? Is it back to division winner or the team that has the highest rate or the highest winning percentage? But knowing that going in, both the players and the coaches, front office, club owners, they all realize, okay, it may not be equal, but this is our playing field this season in the 2020 campaign. All right, but flexibility, as, yeah. DG. Yeah, meant everything. All right, as you you made the journey through the season, was there genuine concern, especially when more and more players started testing positive in front office people, that there could be a work stoppage in the middle of the season? The only time I got a little bit concerned, not that the, the season would end. I think it might was week eleven or twelve. My memory's not serving me correctly right now, but I think it was the Baltimore. It was the Baltimore Pittsburgh game that there was 25 people that were positive. And it was late in the season, so we were running out of options on how you can move the schedule and how many teams would be impacted. Because every week when you start talking about contingency planning, 
how many other clubs are affected? Not just the two teams that are playing. Is it a Sunday early early game? Can we move it to later on in the afternoon? Could it be pushed to Monday? Could it be pushed to Tuesday? Bottom line was we were doing everything we can to avoid cancellation. That was the time during the season where it was just like, oh, because <laughs> I was we were running out of options on could we move it? Okay, it was a game that was supposed to be played on Thursday, moved it. Sunday, moved it again. Monday, moved it again. Tuesday. That was really the only time during the season where I got a little bit, a little bit antsy because I didn't have a, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of options. You know, early in the season, we would see on the sideline some coaches not wearing a mask on the sidelines. And then we find out that you sent out a stern letter to all multiple. teams, <laughs> multiple <laughs> to, to, to teams. Um, how how much did it infuriate you that some people still weren't taking this as serious as they should have? Derek, it was very irresponsible. It was upsetting personally, not just professionally, because the broader society was counting on us. Like we saw there came a point in time in our, all of our local communities where we saw PPEs, personal protection equipment. Mm-hmm distance, the washing our hands, like the little basic things we saw, it was keeping people alive. And when you saw coaches on the sidelines, just being completely irresponsible, like, man, you got two, you got 10 million people watching the game. Yep. The state and local officials, starting with our governors, they're allowing us to play. We can't do this. So, you know, you you try to give a warning. You try to be professional about it. Then you, okay, I need to, there needs to be an accountability. So the second one is, okay, let me remind you what I said to you in August. Okay, let me remind you what I said to you, August, September, and in the middle of uh, October. Now, accountability measures. Now we have to start talking about whether it's forfeiture of draft picks, fines. But at the end of the day, D, we was just trying to be be responsible, be a model for other businesses in the local community um, to do these things. But that was really upsetting. All right. So there's daily testing among players and coaches. Um, we talked about multitudes positively testing uh, positive for COVID. But in the bigger scheme of things, the season kicks off on time. The season ends on time. You get 256 games in its allotted time frame. How proud are you of what you and other people in your office were able to accomplish? So it all hit two Saturdays ago, two Sundays ago. Right. It's about five minutes on the clock. I'm in the officiating booth in Tampa. It's about five minutes left in that game. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, okay, game looks like it's out of reach. I was I was counting down like okay how many more TV breaks I got another TV break here then I got the two minute warning. It was we're gonna do this right like, right we're literally going to do this wasn't pretty wasn't always the way everyone wanted it, but I was packing up my bag at the two minute warning. Typically I don't do it. I'm grabbing my binoculars. <laughs> I don't put all my, my, my tablets, all my equipment is in my bag. And I'm looking at that clock rundown. And literally, 
it, it was surreal because myself, David Gardy, and Donna Ponte, we were looking and we all were thinking the same thing. Like, we about to do, we, this thing, it's about 10.33 and this thing's about to end. Game ended, I didn't even, we didn't even watch the confetti. We didn't watch any of that. We grabbed our bags and it was crazy because we were walking into the crowd. Oh my as goodness. We were coming in celebrating and it was three people walking in the opposite direction headed back to the hotel saying, thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. But yes, it was, <laughs> but again, the credit, I, I must say, and I, they, don't, they don't get talked about them enough when we talk about the power teamwork. But Dr. Alan Seals, Jeff Miller, Donna Ponte, Larry Verasani, these four individuals, Leah Trolley, these individuals, they made it happen. They were the glue of making it happen, the daily, daily communication with the clubs, officials, state officials, uh, our medical experts. It was that group of individuals that I happened to be part of on getting it done. Mm. Did the league take that big of a financial hit, not allowing fans in the stands, uh, lack of concessions being sold, things like that? Was it a major hit? Yes, like everyone. I mean, we're no, we weren't immune to any uh, there were no people in, there were no fans in mo in some of the stands. So what does that mean? That's ticket sales, that's gate, mm -hmm. that's parking. Uh, our industry was affected just like everyone else's. I, I want to talk about this guy, Tom Brady, for a moment. He gets his seventh Super Bowl ring, 43 years of age, defies all the laws of logic for a professional athlete. Were you shocked that not only did Tom Brady get that ring, but he's talking about coming back at the age of 44 trying to get another one? No. I learned my lesson years ago. One as a player. <laughs> so I've had I've been on that side of losing to Tom as a player, yep. preparing for Tom as a player. Doesn't surprise me at all. Watching the game the way I see it today, like literally, there's Jim Brown. That's the jersey you see in the background. Yeah. As you know, you hear a lot of people talk about who's the greatest of all time. No question, Jim. Just what he did in such a short period of time mm -hmm. under those conditions is just phenomenal. Nine, I mean, ten, playing 10 games. But when you watch what number 12 has put together and that body of work, DG, is hard to argue. Mm -hmm. It is hard. I mean – now he don't went to a different franchise and do it with different yep. people. That's a task in itself. And when you give him time, it's hard beating him on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. I just think what I think that's what with science, engineering, proper nutrition, what he and Drew Brees and others are doing, Philip Rivers, we just saw. Yep. What they're doing now gives every athlete, LeBron and so they give every athlete hope to say. <laughs> Man, if I take care of my body, I study my craft, it's all about team, maybe that can happen to me. So I was not surprised at all. Okay, you look at this coach, Bruce Arians. He wins the Super Bowl with a black offensive coordinator, black defensive coordinator, black special teams coordinator, and two female assistant coaches on his staff. What and do you hope? Head coach. And assistant head coach. coach. Harold yes. Hopefully. Yep, you're right. I, 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 what do you hope that will do moving forward in terms 
of opening up more opportunities for minorities as head coaching in the National Football League because obviously the Rooney Rule has not done quite what we all hoped it would at this point. Well, let me just start with just my personal feelings about B.A. is he's always been out front, as we would say, temple tough. Yep. And he, he exemplifies that and wears that every single day. He is intentional about his efforts around people of color. He's always been that way since I've been in my current position, even as a player, as he was an assistant coach and coordinator. Mm-hmm. Coach Arians is intentional about inclusion because diversity is a catch-all. The yep. term minority can be a catch-all. Coach Arians is inclusive where everybody, because diversity is a fact. Inclusion is a choice. He has made an intentional choice to make sure all are included. That's color, that's mm-hmm. gender, from the coaching ranks. It was proud to see, and this is how, you know, again, I put it back in the spiritual realm, how God works. Yep. The biggest stage under what the year that we just came out of where we're always trying to define what black excellent is and what it looks like and our ability to lead. Well, guess what? It was on full display, Super Bowl 55. That's right. We saw Byron Letwich. We saw Todd Bowles and we saw Keith Armstrong. We saw Harold Goodwin win Super Bowl 55 on the biggest stage it was just one of those things where the timing couldn't be better. Mm-hmm. You know, just coming out, people talk about Coach Bienemy and the lack of hiring at the hedge coaching area wasn't there, which we're not happy with, but there was progress. So that that was what Coach Aaron is doing is we hope that others do it and continue mm-hmm. to do so. Now, the Rooney Rule is something that, remember, it's a tool. Right. It's not the golden rule. And unfortunately, that is what defines our success here in the National Football League is the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule is a tool. It's just a tool. We have to get to a place. It's a hard issue. And I say that all the time. It's a hard issue. And once we can get to people's heart about how they see individuals, Mm -hmm. that they're more than, we're still fighting, I am a man. That, That same concept, and we're still trying to have to prove ourselves. But I must say, and I'm proud to say, over the last year, working with Commissioner Goodell, working with Chairman Rooney, Deja Smith and Jonathan Bean here in our office, we truly have a plan now that can be executed. And we saw that in full display this year. We fell short on the head Mm -hmm. coaching hires, but proud of David Culley, super proud of David Culley. Right as a black head, you know, being becoming a black head coach, but we cannot, and we will not, you can't discount Martin Mayhew, the first black general manager to have a second opportunity mm-hmm. and not discount Brad Holmes. We cannot discount what we, what we've seen with Terry Fontenot in Atlanta. Anthony Lenza is a coordinator today. Raheem Morris is a coordinator. Usually that fall for black head coaches, head coach, either out of the league or position coach. You know, D'Amico Ryan, we see Aaron Glenn, the coordinator position. So we picked up in a lot of different areas. The quality of coaches, which is not talked about, DG, when we look at 2020, 2019, 2018, you're going, when you look at, 
the quality of coaches that were being interviewed, in particular, men of color, black men. Yep. When you look at the quality of 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 interviews and the people who they were years past, and you look at what it was in 2021, the it was there. There was no sham interviews. There was no just checking the box. Mm-hmm. The folks that were being interviewed were the best that the National Football League had to mm-hmm. offer. Mm. You know, and I look at you being a high-ranking official as an African-American male in a job description that is a part of the richest sports conglomerate on the planet. And I look at your titles, uh, game analytics, integrity of the game, accountability, developmental growth, policies and procedures, which includes protecting players from uh, uncertain risk, so on and so forth. You're young, 50 years old. You'll be 51 in June. I don't know how you keep the youthful look. I mean, I'm jealous of you, you know, and I've known you a long time. Keep a bald head and drink a lot of water. Well, you know what? Join the club, my brother. But but how do you handle all of these job descriptions, man? How do you how do you do it? What's the secret? Being a servant leader. Okay. Understanding the situation, not passing judgment. And this is where my faith comes in, uh, Derek, quite yeah. frankly. Uh, I you, it's always extending love and grace and peace yep. until the person on the other side says differently. I want to be an example of what I hope to get back. I want to serve. I don't want to get out in front. I can lead from behind. I'm being I'm okay with being a team player. I've okay. learned that through time that that works. And I've also learned that the only way we're going to fix some of these issues is together. Mm. Not in the shaming people. It's about bringing people in, about educating individuals, self-included. Don't pass judgment. But working together yeah. for the greater good. You know, I know I only have a few minutes left with you because I know you have meetings on top of meetings on top of meetings. But but here's one thing I've always I find fascinating about you holding that role. You still live in Northern Virginia, correct? Yes, sir. You commute daily to New York? No, I commute uh once a week. So oh, once a week. Season, okay. So my, my commute is now that the season's over, I can actually spend weekends home. Okay. So I drive up. I'll drive back Sunday night. Okay. And work in the city from Monday to Thursday. Drive back home Thursday night to be with the family during during the week during the weekend. That that's crazy. That's crazy. But you know what? You handle it well, my brother. Um, when you again look at yourself in the role that you're in, do you see yourself as a role model, not just to young up and coming people, but in particular young black up-and-coming people who want to be the next Troy Vincent somewhere down the road? I hope to be. I just hope to be a living example, frankly, um, as my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was that living yeah. example for all of us there. I just hope that that I could be an example for someone. Someone else, that's someone else's choice, whether I'm, I'm a role model. I share that yep. responsibility as a former former athlete and a now a league executive. If someone chooses, I hope there's some qualities okay. that some people can take from me that they can say, I can put this part of my toolbox. I learned this, or this is something that I saw Troy do um, as an example or some language that I've used. Uh, but I, I, again, I fall short of the glory every single day. Mm-hmm. But I hope to share in that responsibility of being a role model for young folks. 
All right, one final question to you. As we look ahead, now that people are getting the vaccine, um, and we keep hearing that most of America should be vaccinated by June, July, what is the preliminary plan moving forward in terms of fans back in the stands and the 2021 season, media being able to interview players again in the locker room, doing one-on-one interviews and things like that for 2021? Good question. And we actually started that yesterday was our, our, our kickoff, our official kickoff for the offseason with our competition committee. We're going to be led by the science. It's not about what the national football has never been. Commissioners always said is medical first. We don't get in front of any lines. I do believe that the way the season ended just a couple weeks ago in the regular season gives us a little indication of a minimum where we can start in the fall. So we right now we're evaluating what did we learn during the virtual offseason? Mm-hmm. What did we learn about fans in the stadium? What did we learn about the curated crowd noise? Did it work? Did it not? I think all of those learnings now as we go into the offseason, we discuss the reduction of people traveling, team travel, the reduction of number of people on the sideline. There's some things that we learned, DG, that we should move forward in keeping post-COVID. But we're just going to keep following the science and the medical experts about what we should and what we shouldn't do. And again, I felt like we were very reasonable yep. and responsible in our approach as we went to the off season last year. Do you ever sleep? Yes, I do. <laughs> you said that hesitantly. Cause my wife would say no. And many others would say no. My, I think <laughs> at like one, like one to 3 AM in the morning. Right. Like that's when my mind is, the vision and I'm seeing things play out where I have to get up and start doing some typing. Uh, but I could take a cat nap between eight and 10 PM, okay. but then I'm back up around one, mm-hmm. one, two or three. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the one and only Troy Vincent, not just one of my favorite former NFL players, but one of my favorite people on the planet. I can't thank you enough for taking this time. I know I picked a bad time of day to hit you up to be on gun on one, but I appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you on a few more times down the road as the 2021 calendar year continues to unfold and we find out more about what the National Football League is trying to do to get back as close to normal as possible. So don't don't be surprised. I'm going to keep bugging you, my brother. Uh, I'm going to keep bugging you. I appreciate you. I understand. Yeah. But no, thanks for having me, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and enjoy the success. Thank you, man. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, that has been the latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. Uh, it is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. Thank you guys for listening in. And as I always tell you in parting, continue to stay blessed. But more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter on a daily basis. So long. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Elvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.
This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.